Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. It is time for Counterpoint. We got a lively one tonight. Let's bring in Kim Wright, president over at Wright Strategies, Canadian municipal affairs expert, political hack, and social style commentator. Is that what you're calling yourself now? Political hack? I've always called myself a hack. (laughs) I thought that was just me. Uh, And you've got John Dwyer, director of Arius Technologies, author, tightrope walker, investor, and all-round smart guy. Oh, my gosh. I thought I was going to get, like, an abbreviated introduction. No, apparently the titles get longer around here. You know, the longer the night goes, the colder (laughs) it is. I want to see tightrope walking, though. Yeah, a little too (laughs) I do it every night for for three hours, all right? Uh, We were talking about uh, the the report that Dr. Devlin has tabled today. This is the appointment made by Doug Ford, uh, and he is a very reputable. He's a very, very mindful uh, doctor who's got a lot of respect. Um, and he's here to fix hallway health care. You know, we know that adding beds is not going to fix this. It is fixable. Um, but the NDP coming out kind of taking the spotlight today, accusing Ford uh, that some leaked internal document shows the government's plan to create these super agency health bureaucracies with a mandate to privatize. Which I say, okay, we'll take a listen. It's very, very clear that this super agency that is being put in place by the government or that the government intends to put in place uh, is going to be able to seek out bidders uh, for health services. This type of a model is uh, is nothing we've ever seen in our country before. Uh, I don't think that there is a model, anything like this, anywhere else in Canada. And I think that this Ford government is going to do everything it can uh, to push the boundaries and try to ensure that their friends are able to, you know, make as much private profits off of our public dollars as they can in healthcare. Okay. Um, I'll start with you, Kim. What the hell is she talking about? I look through this this memo, and I'm not I'm not seeing this this secret you know privatization. But let's pretend that we are looking to streamline services. Can we not have this conversation? Well, what you're looking for is how do you have this conversation? How do you ensure public access to these services? Uh, as Canadians and Ontarians, we want to be able to have regulated healthcare services that are regulated uh, by the federal government, by the Ontario government, but also are accessible to on to Ontarians. Uh, you don't want to see, Andrew is basically saying, we don't want to see two-tiered healthcare or people being able to jump lines and queues. It. You know, it, it just because you happen to have parts of it doesn't mean that the entire system needs to go that route. What you want to make sure that people are able to do is actually get access uh, whether you're in northern Ontario, southwestern Ontario, where I'm from, or downtown Toronto, where I live right now, being able to access healthcare services is an extraordinary challenge mm-hmm. uh, for a number of people, especially when you're talking about services. Uh, I I was uh, unfortunately had to uh, navigate through the system with both of my parents, uh, various health challenges uh, over the years. And it's it's not easy. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And and let's not and, like, and let's, so let's not uh, it is it. it is good for a government to take this on. It is not an easy 
program. It is not, there's not an easy magic wand solution. But what we don't want to see is that people who are of limited means, uh, or frankly, as we see in, uh, in the States, uh, even if you have a lot of means to be able to go bankrupt pretty darn quickly uh, if you have healthcare challenges. So those are the kinds of things that Andrea is worried about. Well, but then she and should the, say and, that. Because and the scope creep that can very easily get into this conversation around privatization is, is something to be concerned about. Yeah, yeah. I, I, to your point, Alex, she should actually say that because the fact of the matter is it doesn't matter about your e- economic e- bracket, uh, whether you made a million bucks last year or $30,000. To be an individual in Canadian healthcare, especially in Ontario, is a woeful experience. We have a significant problem and one that stems from a lack of long-term care facilities. Look, I'm a director of a company that bids on RFPs across the country in all 10 provinces on building out the infrastructure that is needed um, in many other provinces, not just Ontario, but more specifically in Ontario. Um, beyond me to say that a politician shouldn't try and push for an opportunity to say that the leader in the province has done something wrong. Uh, so let's just park that for a moment. Um, it would just be really refreshing once in a while, just work together because I, I don't want this issue politicized anymore. We've had that for 15, 20 years. Uh, just by the way, get it no, fixed. Nobody has said, by the way, yeah. do you know how much money yeah. the Ford government is taking away from education right now? It's to pay for health care. Well, they haven't taken Somebody anything away. That's the thing. We're talking Doug about Doug Ford, it. and I am not here to be a Doug Ford apologist. I promise you that. I'm a business person in well in advance of being, a, and I'm not a political uh, party affiliate of any kind. But the tough decisions that Doug Ford's uh, uh, government is making is repealing a ton of cash from education. And it's to pay for health care. Well, some, of, we're some not of that also came out of the fact that they got rid of the carbon pricing or whatever we're calling yeah. it this week, sure. this week which sure. took an extraordinary amount of money yeah, but again, out you're of asking all people of the to system. pay more taxes, 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 when we could really get rid of some of the fat in the middle, which is a bunch of fat cat bureaucrats. Okay, so l- l- yeah, l- get rid of them. And if I, I may, I know yeah, it's true. So your, your title, as we began, started with, you know, NDP. Obviously, that's a big part of your leaning. Is there anything that Doug Ford is currently doing about healthcare that you guys agree with and you think is great? I'm sure that there is. You like Dr. Devlin. I mean, he's I, got I'm, wide... Ruben Devlin's he, he's amazing. amazing. In fact, I have, over the years, worked with Dr. Devlin on projects. I think he is an extraordinary capable... I think there are also extraordinary capable hospital administrators. What has happened in the province of Ontario has been that hospitals have always become, and especially in smaller communities, the catch-all for everything. So you actually need to have a start to finish, what are we doing? How do we do this? How do we do this efficiently? How do we make sure people are getting into hospital when they need to get into hospital, getting turned around when they need to be turned around, not because we have a bad situation. When does the NDP stop pointing the finger in a negative way and say, okay, to Alex's point, let's work together and actually identify that the Ford government is actually working to try and make things better for Ontarians. Let me add this, though, because if you've got a guy like Dr. Devlin, who everyone on all sides seems to have a great deal of respect, and you need You'd only go see what he did with the hospital um, at um, Humber River, Humber River, River yeah, to see what he did. Then I think we ought to give it a chance because right now the bitching and the fighting and the politicizing is not getting the care we need to mental health, to the seniors. You know, we, we've got some real serious problems. Absolutely, we have serious problems. And when we start to talk about how do we address mental health, how do we make sure those wait times, especially for children with mental health, mm. Andrea spent the bulk of the campaign talking well, about how to... with fa- Alzheimer's and dementia. Have I mean, all of this yeah. a- a- 
at the table. If the Premier and the Minister of Health, and let's not forget, Dr. Devlin is actually not the Minister of Health. He's a dad. Uh, but, uh, you know, get everyone, get everyone together and find what these solutions and workable solutions are. Yes, there are things that have came out of the Harris years. I know there was lots of talk by Minister McNaughton about CAMH being one of those things that came out of the Harris years. There were a lot of other challenges that in healthcare that came out of the sure. Harris years. And that's where Andrea's concern is. Where do we get to scope creep, but also where do we make sure people are being taken care of? I think we have to like worry less about the things that might happen. I think think we need to worry about the things that are happening. And right now, people are sitting in hallways with their rear ends sticking out of a gurney, bar- like they're not they're being degraded and I've got And then well, if we got, if we have Last to move one. on yep. uh, no matter how brief. Uh what's currently happening in Ontario hospitals and you can go from Trillium to North Bay and everywhere in between. You literally have people regardless of their economic yep. bracket there is 110 to 115% capacity in these hospitals. I see them every day. I'm in them. Yeah. It is abhorrent, and it doesn't matter how much money you make. And I'll tell you, politicians, whether you're liberal, uh, NDP, or a conservative, they really have to align. And, and I get that we're here yeah. to talk about how great Andrew Horwath is, and I'm sure she's fabulous. But we really need to just take an opportunity to realize that what the premier is doing in spite of the fact that some of the other things you may not align with, it is the right move. It is. And it has to be done if we want it for the future. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Kim Wang, John Dwyer weighing off on a whole bunch of little topics. A lot of headlines today. Um, of course, one of the biggest headlines in this country is coming out of Humboldt, where the accused, Mr. Sidhu, um, spoke directly to the families of all 16 people he killed, 13 that he injured, and he apologized. You know, he acknowledged that he took the most important things from them, and, you know, he knew that he should not be driving due to inexperience. Crown is asking for 10 years. The defense three to four years. Um, here is one of those who had lost a loved one, the father of Dana, who was the only female on that bus. You know, here's thoughts um, of the driver after he spoke. He has to be held to account, but at the same time, he's a human being who, he's not a, he's not a serial killer. He, he didn't go out to kill anybody that day. He did not go out to kill anybody that day, John, but he did. He killed many people that day, and that's because he was inexperienced, and he admitted he had no business driving that truck. And so here we are with a guy who showed a lot of character by pleading out, saved the families a lot of grief, but at the same point, he caused that. What's the appropriate, like, what is the appropriate sentence? I have no idea. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, like, honestly, I feel like you could sit around a coffee table and, you know, in the morning and have a tea with your friends and have this discussion and, and and try to come to some sort of rational agreement as to what you feel is recompense for somebody taking those lives, whether unintentionally or otherwise. But, you know, the fact of the matter is we, we, we live in a society that tries to reconcile the loss of life in the most civilized way possible. And what the one thing, in my opinion, that doesn't necessarily conclude is that there's a rational outcome that provides people closure. And I don't think there's anything that's going to provide these parents closure. And so that being said, sometimes the world just breaks your heart. And I don't know. I'm just so thankful that I'm not in the position of whomever the justice, you know, the the, the Lord, however, yeah, the judge, whatever we call them here in Canada. Um, Thankfully, I haven't had to be in that position, so I don't know. But... (laughs) Man, I, I just, it, it's just so heart-wrenching. 
Um, the whole it's thing so is, sad. yeah, it's a loss all the way around because, you know, this guy, and, and, and I think, Kim, we have to put a lot of the responsibility would be on the company. Um, they have to be held to account. And so does the government because the government is in charge of making sure these companies are held to account. These are the, you know, we put the faith of the federal government and the provincial governments to make sure that there are laws in place so that a guy like this can't get on the road and have all these violations. And yet it happens every day across this country. There are drivers out there all over the place who should not be driving. Absolutely. And, you know, this is also why I'm such a big proponent of uh, driving penalties, uh, especially on distracted driving. But he wasn't distracted. But there are all sorts of reasons why people are, you know, miss a miss a light or miss an intersection. And it's not just this particular uh, person and this immense tragedy that has united everyone across uh, across North America and beyond. Uh, but it's also because it's so connected, right? We all have, we all know somebody who played hockey or I mean, my brother played hockey and was billeted for years. We also know people who've all been killed in car crashes or have been severely injured in car crashes. This, but for the grace of whatever God of your choosing, wasn't you. Yeah. And it could have been any one of us. It, and, and it is so important that we have regulations in place we that, do, cap, that capture well, these things appropriately. But also, you know, it's also why we I think there needs to be things like, uh, you know, red light cameras yeah. and all of that. And really giving beyond just what the police uh, well, yeah, can if do. If you're an inexperienced driver, there should be, I mean, we do this with the G licensing. I mean, there has to be, if you're going to get in a hundred, two hundred thousand pound vehicle, right. you know, you've got to be able to drive them. And, and we know Look, I've, I've said it a hundred yeah. times. I'm not a great driver. So I, when I moved to the city of Toronto, decided I wasn't going to drive yeah. because if you're a crappy so. driver in a small town, you're a really crappy driver in a big city. I want to uh, jump onto a, a topic that's not kind of getting a lot of uh, attention today, but uh, the, over, the, the watchdog of the federal government, the, the agency that kind of watches the spending, came out today with a report that the Liberal government paid one of the highest possible prices for the Trans Mountain Pipeline. Shocker. And that value decreases with every single delay. So not only did we spend about a billion dollars too much to buy the pipeline, if construction doesn't go ahead and it's already delayed by a year, that has already cost us $800 million. So we've now got a pipeline we bought and didn't need to buy uh, because the government got us here. But it's now worth $2.8 billion. I mean, is there anything, John, that they don't screw up? This, this, is, this is like this boolea bays of dysfunction, you know? Just kind of throw in a couple of decades <laughs> of not doing the right thing. You know, a couple of different governments participating in the dysfunction along the way, and now you stir it up and you've got something that nobody wants anything to do with. Um, I'm not quite sure how, how we got to where we are, to be honest with I you. Do. And and more importantly, I'm not quite sure how the current government did. Oh, and I do. The, the un- oh, sorry. They're exactly but, where they want to be. The unique point about it is we're going into an election in mm. the coming uh, quarters. I can't say months quite yet. Can't wait for us to have that discussion. Mm. But what's happening at the moment is how much of a role is this going to play in identifying Justin's ability to make good decisions in tough circumstances? Well, look, I mean, because they're, they're this piling. was not a very good decision. Well, no, but nothing they touch, Kim, is a good decision. They managed to screw up everything. I mean, they bought the pipeline. Because of their own failure to figure things out. They, they put no thought into this, clearly. Well, the electoral math has always been a bit of a challenge on pipelines. So, you know, do you appease Alberta or do you appease 
British Columbia, and that's or a, do you appease the Canadian economy and appe- get oil moving so that we can have the great health care that we all want and pharmacare and every other free program you you're, guys you're want? You're assuming that money's <laughs> going to be downloaded to the provinces, well, by the way, which it won't. Please. Well, I mean, we've got a federal pharmacare program allegedly coming forward at yeah. some point. So yeah. you know, we'll after the recession, it'll be great. You know, Gandalf's going to give it to us. Every, every everything that there's an emergency for free fentanyl uh, for all. <laughs> So, well, that's like, that, that's the only that. pharmacare program they're going to come up with. I mean, because that's all they got. Oh, boy. No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, I'm not even sure how to follow that just, one, just except for, you know, I guess the question is, what is the opposite of make, making hay while the sun shines? Because that's a seemingly where we're at in this sunny days, <laughs> sunny ways kind of world that the, the prime minister is living in on this. We need pipelines. There's no question about that. But we don't need to over. We don't just need to overspend well, on them. It's 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 the government. They're often going to do no, that. No, but, but they should never how, have how bought you, it. How do you run a campaign with. that is ultimately built under the aegis of the fact that it's going to be, you know, like we are going to move away from the number one natural resource? And let's just hearken for a moment. The the federal government downloads the power for healthcare, education, and natural resources to all mm-hmm. ten provinces. These provinces should have a sovereign ability to make a determination that is going to be disrupted but that's by all, any that, number of things. That's nothing to do with the fact that they but, bought a pipeline. That's but the prime not minister the was elected under the aegis of the idea that he wasn't going to go down this road. Mm-hmm. And so every Canadian so needs to realize Shocker. that he didn't do what he said he was going to do. And we've now been put into this situation because he didn't make the tough decision when he should have, well, which he, is to capitulate and to realize we need these yeah. natural resources. Absolutely. And look, I'm a new Democrat who likes pipelines. There is no question. You are an oxymoron, right? You really are not. Favorite kind of new I'm Democrat. a new Democrat who's also a lobbyist. Why don't you so run? let's just uh, you know, put it out there. So you're not really an, an NDP. I, uh, <laughs> and you're also on the other side of Venezuela, so you're on the right side of Venezuela, I, so, I think. Um, I think at the end of this, the, the Prime Minister's got a lot to account for. Uh, this will be interesting how this plays out both in the federal election, but also in the uh, Alberta election. And it'll the, be fake and the news. It'll just be fake news. It'll be part of the conversation, to be sure. It should and be. And I'm sure we'll talk about it more. Uh, yes, we will. But thank you for tonight. I appreciate that. Super. Kim Wright, John Dwyer, joining us tonight. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.